The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adherent of the Mechanicum, or a brave mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find a home here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. game was awesome dude i just kept looking back at it and i was like fuck that was an ace game like down to the wire it was, you know, i was trying to go yeah. for that one tactic and you had already secured your victory point we knew we were both going to decimate each other's troops so it all came down to secondary objectives after turn one you know what i mean for 1500 points and the list that i built and the list that you build as well for that game to drag on to the bitter end like literally all the way to the yeah. end of turn six. And it was still, um, I mean, it could have gone either way at the very end, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, cause what we both had a flyer left and <laughs> they were both going off the board. So I counted both, you know, those at the end of the game, those both get counted as destroyed. Right. I had the more Dathan that were at like 70% strength. And then you had the dreadnought that had, I think one hit point left or one hold point left. Yeah, the Osiren, the Contemptor. Yeah. Dread so Dead. I mean, if they just squared off, whew, I mean, they, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. How did the uh, Osiren do for you? Uh, he was oh. fucking MVP all the way, man. Yeah. Yeah. He killed Medusan and the Arlo attacks and a ten-man tactical squad, which is entirely because he rolled the mind howl psychic ability on telepathy and i just put all my dice into that uh every turn and got it off every turn so he was basically fighting weapon skill one ballistic skill one um well he was fighting your troops for a while will and then you brought the arl attacks in right yeah yeah the yeah. i mean you'd already laid a pretty good ass whipping in on the tactical marines before the Arl attacks got there. I think you, you got your charge in on turn one, and the Arl attacks didn't get there till turn three. That's right. There was one turn where the Arl attacks basically could have just owned me, and then you were like, "Oh, by the way, armor bane," and then you rolled like, I want to say I like, whiffed. I had oh, like dude, three uh, twos to hit. Like my to hit was garbage, and. Like, that would have been it, man. If I think that it would have been, been it. it. I could have got all that armor bane off. Yeah. Because it was a tourney charge, so I think, what is that, four attacks or whatever. And I was like, like man, I'm totally going to destroy this thing. And then my tacticals are just going to, you know, advance up, cons- you know, the board, keep moving, and then I'll, you know, score my victory points. Yeah. But no, did not go that. I fucking whiffed all those initial to hits, and that was it. I was like, damn it! Couldn't do anything after that. No, after that, I was like, mind how Arl attacks. Fuck the troops. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, Medusa. I mean, he's got that rending yeah. uh, power sword that's plus one strength. I was like, yeah. And he actually did get a whole point on the Arl attacks. And I he was did. Like, All right, not so bad. Yeah, he found a soft spot, man. He shanked me. You know? Yeah. Right under the... Then, uh, uh, yeah. What was I hoping to do? I was trying to immobilize it with something. I can't remember what that was. You that's have a melt? No, you don't, because that's right. Because uh, Medusin doesn't have melt bombs. He has a crack grenade. Yeah, which is yeah. kind of a bummer. 
I, I think I hit you with the Arlatex once. Okay. And it and I would hit. Oh, that's it. I hit you with the Arlatex once. Um, and then I had hoped that you were going to get an explode result on it, but uh, you only got like a two. Which oh, is I got a shaking, and it, that doesn't yeah, do I anything. Was like, I was that's like, right. shit. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, walkers ignore that. They're just like, whatever, man. Can't shake me. I'm inside of amniotic fluid. Yeah. <laughs> but that... Uh, Floating in baby gel. Have you... Did you get your uh, Eisenhorn, or Eisenhorn yet? I did. I So I did a deal with Wake. Um, Wake, Wake did me a solid and got me the Eisenhorn. Um, and then I picked up another one just because I'm... Yeah. You know, they're gone, dude. Uh, they're, they're totally gone from BG. I saw, like, there were already, I think, what was it, seven when I was there. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Maybe there'll be some more later and I can come back and get one. No. No, the last one uh, was bought within 20 minutes of the store opening today. Is it like a, um, a special one? Like, are they not doing multiple one? Like, they're not going to release them as, like, a main line? Yeah, I think it was a special edition one. Oh, man. Yeah. I knew he was going to go much faster than the... Um, uh, like the forge roll ones. Because he's got rules too, which is, which is, yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, 8th edition, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is more mainstream than uh, Horse Heresy, which is what we were talking about yesterday. How, um, you know, the Games Workshop store still has uh, Primus Medicaid and the uh, Forge World Heralds. And, you know, but I mean, some of those are very specific, you know, for 30k only, or even more specific for 30k and, uh, Ultramarines only. Right. Yeah, and they don't. They're they're not characters per se. I mean, everybody kind of knows who they are. I think, um, especially for the Ultramarines, the Vexilla Bear or Standard Bear, or whatever. Um, but they don't have rules, you know, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're not they're not special guys that you read about in books either. Like, like Eisenhorn. I right. Mean, I don't know. I I know he's a character everybody loves. In 40K, I've never read any of the book series or anything like that, but I guess he's a badass. And, uh, you know, of course, people for that reason alone are looking forward to getting him. Yeah. Yeah, you should you should check it out, man. He is a uh, he's a fucking force to be reckoned with. What series? Is he from Gaunt's Ghost? Same author. like a whole other series? Same author. Uh, so Dan Abnett. Uh, it is, but it's a whole different series. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And I guess what he's an inquisitor by the looks of it. He's got all the inquisition icon on him. He is. Yeah, from Porto Zenos. Wait, no, Malleus. Demon hunter. Yeah, I think so. He's kind of out there, man. He kind of crosses a few different paths. I think he goes rogue at, at, at some point, and I don't know. He may even still be rogue. Like, there's a couple new books I haven't read, so I haven't gone down the whole rabbit hole, but. Um, yeah, man, Eisenhorn is, uh, he, he's, he's fucking fighting the war. Like, 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 he's, he's going solo up against chaos. So, I don't know, that's where I left off anyway. Jesse probably knows more than I do. Side track, I don't mean to veer off, I was just checking my Facebook on my phone real quick. Are you guys friends with, uh, David, what is it, Powell's? He's one of the Nova guys. He's the guy with um, Iron Warriors that are just like jaw dropping. 
Mm. But he posted up like uh, birthday kind of like stuff. Like, you know, there's like birthday plates and birthday napkins and all that shit. Yeah, but his stuff is Dune themed, man. It's got like the Dune, it's got the sandworms on them and the spaceships and the desert and like the little Space Marine dudes, Space Marine inspired guys. The guys that inspired Space Marines, I should say. But I was like, holy shit, I didn't even know they made that kind of stuff. Like Dune themed. That's so fuck. I would love a birthday party Dune themed. <laughs> Absolutely. Get stinging underwear and everything. Yes! Yeah. Make everybody wear, like, blue contacts. That's gotta be where the, the like, the body glove, right? Like, the whole fucking bodysuit comes from. That's so... Uh, like, you're talking... Yeah, I think so. Right, like, that just... Aesthetically, yeah. as far as a sci-fi outfit? Yeah, well, that and, like, I, I feel like in, in 40K that's the like the default under armor right that's like that's what you that's what you put on when you wake up in the morning right you put on your bodysuit it's just like there's there's different versions of it but I, and, and maybe this is like 40k i feel like everyone's got like a little fucking you know a little uh, a little zip up yeah nobody's just wearing slacks in 40k <laughs> put your emperor jammies on yeah they're all wearing like you know, water recyclers and all that other stuff. Just yeah. so they don't have to, you know, spend all their weekly credits on water. I don't know how the financial situation and you know the fortieth universe, forty thousand universe, it works. So I don't know. Are they on a credit based system? Because credits are usually like your sci fi money. It's always just obligatory credits. You know that's a really yeah, it's a, it's a good call, Will. I know they've gone down this rabbit hole in some of the the lore, right? But like, I, it it eludes me. Yeah, there is. I mean, that, that's impressive if you can have an entire galaxy wide currency that is all like I don't what do you, you don't deep back it by the gold standard? I don't know. Yeah, that is a rabbit hole we could go down yeah. into. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think for the most part, the imperial planets trade through like imperial credits or whatnot but like for the governments but if you get to smaller like towns or hive cities a lot of bartering and just like local currency I think is exchanged I, I, will, I would believe so right that makes a lot of sense because I mean unless you were like on one of those places like in Jack Frost where it's like well we use ice as money during the winter and you're like that's bullshit you can't just use ice talk about liquidating assets oh <laughs> damn it that was good wow. <laughs> who's recording tonight anyway I think David is because my setup since I moved is uh, not wicked I'm going to have to uninstall some software and reinstall mm, gotcha gotcha yeah, I'm not at my uh, central post today, so I'm working uh, out in the field. Coming at you live, pre-recorded from the field. <laughs> so on the docket today, what do we got? We got the special characters for um, the D43 event, and that's the the ones not not the um, advancement ones, but the ones that we do for. Like that have fluff and don't have rules. Homebrewed black library characters. 
Yeah, that's good. Um, part of the Richmond 30K character series that we're doing. Forge World's got their character series. Richmond's <laughs> got their character series. That was uh, coined by David, by the way. That was a good one. About the Williamsburg muster. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd love to. Single day event. Some cool stuff, but I don't know how long we can drag that one out. Did you guys do like a best painting and all that stuff? And um... so they, because um, we weren't sure as far as new people if they would have fully painted armies or whatnot, we decided to go with a best painted unit competition. And that was oh, that's pretty, pretty good. Well. I like that idea. Yeah. yeah. Who ended up winning that? I believe Jason with his uh, flexomancer. Yeah, uh, Jason, that's his entourage. Uh, that's two. You won, right? Think, uh, second, that was uh, Steve came in first. Oh, oh really? You were right. What did you get? What did you get? Let's see. What? Let's see. For the prize, I think it was a, a plastic contemporary dreadnought. Yes. Oh, great. That's just what Stephen needs is more fucking dreadnoughts. What has he got? Like 30 now, right? <laughs> Plenty. But, um... He's got to run What was the, the, the unit? Yeah. It was his uh, Leviathan Dreadnought. Oh, yeah, that's Leviathan pretty good. Did he run his Falchion that game? Or... I don't is the think so. Falchion there. No, he didn't, he didn't run the... Um, he ran, I believe, his Novelist. He did. He did. Yeah. His Rated Sun Novelist. Which was cool because I, I never got to play that. I met Steven at Nova and uh, did not participate in the um, the second day of that campaign. So that was my first time playing Steven's uh, Nova winning list. And it's no fucking joke, man. That's a That's a tough list. But it was fun. It was a great game. Yep. Sorry about that. I thought I had muted this. Oh, be right back. Be right back. You'll be right back. After these messages. No, Jesse, that was a fucking awesome event, man. Like, you... Yeah, thanks. I... Yeah. Yeah, with Austin uh, designing all the missions and everything... Just getting all that terrain shit put together, that was, uh, turned out to go pretty well. So, hoping that we might try to do it again next year. Yeah, that'd be sweet. It was a kind of a, kind of a cool venue, I want to say. I mean, it wasn't like, uh, certainly not Nova, right? I mean, you know. No, but it was, I, I mean, overall it was really cool just to see, you know, a bunch of wargaming happening in just little Williamsburg, which is pretty neat. Absolutely, and, the, and I feel like the, uh, the crowd there was was the kind of crowd that uh, you know we could we could possibly bring some folks into heresy. You know, they're oh, kind yeah, of it was yeah. very relaxed, chill. Yeah, everybody was there just to have some fun on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You guys went. Narr- yeah. I think narrative events pretty much lend themselves to that type of game anyway. So it's not like we're running for five thousand dollars on an ITC event or anything like that. Yeah, those things are never fun. Everybody's super tense. Right. Yeah, because the difference between, like, winning and losing can come down to 
a rules interpretation that may or may not be unclear or clear, you know? And it's just yeah, like... A half-inch movement. Yeah, man. Just a little bit extra long. Whoa, what are you doing there? <laughs> right? Yeah. You push your guy a quarter of an inch and that made all the difference to get it within last cannon range or some silly stuff like that. happy as long as we never get to that place I don't think we'll get to that place I don't think it's possible for heresy to get to that place as it stands no not with the current people playing and running it yeah. I think the, the reason that people play it right now is to get away from it in the first place so I'd say we're in good shape absolutely Jesse, fucking awesome, uh, awesome tournament. You and Austin, guys, you guys put together a great event. You guys pulled together some amazing swag for that event. Um, the uh, veteran of, what is it, Tonnell? How do you say that? Tonnell. Tonnell. Austin designed it. I'm, I'm just pronouncing it. I don't think he, I ever heard him pronounce it at all the entire time. So I'm just going with Tonnell. Which is... Like such a fucking cool backstory, you guys. Uh, is that's in the D forty three system? I'm back. What's up? I believe. Uh, we were just uh, discussing the Williamsburg muster narrative event. All right, so we were talking about the muster before I left. Uh, so what was that about D forty three? Did this event take place in the Star Cluster? I, to be straight up honest, I have to read reread the. Fluff. I feel like yeah. Austin put it there, but I couldn't quite remember to be honest. But that's what's great about the cluster, right? Like people, like we're we're planning the summer campaign, and people were asking, like, well, what's the what's the history? Who brought it into compliance and this and that? You know, like what's going on? But it's a star cluster. It's not a single system. It. I mean, look, you can Google how many stars are in a typical cluster, and it's like five thousand. So we have. When you, you know, we're not doing a campaign about a single system. We're doing a campaign about a shit ton of systems. We're just like one little part of a big ass galaxy, and we call it D four three. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what the typical thing is. If that's like a segmentum or whatever the shit, but <laughs> you know, open the this sandbox. Is a star cluster. We just give people like that's why everything is titled D four three because that's the star cluster takes place in. But then we've got you know all these different campaigns that take place in different systems and sometimes we might go back and visit those systems like the Formino system was one that we went to a few times um, and we had a couple of mega battles there and then you know we come back to other ones like uh, shit what's the center class one you know we've been there every Christmas game is that one you know what I mean yeah which is awesome and I I, uh, I added uh Ariana Forge for my uh, Mega Battle. Yeah, exactly. And we may go back to Ariana Forge. I don't know. Did you guys completely destroy that uh, no. sector? Or no, maybe no. The planet, but no, like totally the, the opposite. Might still be intact, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was just a spearhead, honestly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Just a spearhead assault on the planet itself. Because we've also got Cold Harbor, which is one we can always go back to, too, you know? Yeah. But that's what's great is like, you can. And, and that, for the longest time, that's why we didn't allow named characters, is because this is all going on simultaneously throughout the overarching five-year war that the Horus Heresy was. But also we know that the stories that are presented to us in Black Library and in the Black Books are not from accurate sources. You know, 
So we can always just fucking say, well, you know, such and such never really was there. That's that's a mistelling. They thought it was him. It turns out it was just one of his commanders, and he's actually in this location. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. The unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And that's You're what I. Unreliable narrator. <laughs> what? You hey, heard Steven. Me. Oh, good. Steven, do, do you like um, spaceships, Steven? Oh, you know, boy. I, I love spaceships. <laughs> They're pretty great, right? Like, just how they work. The concept of spaceships, or... Um, I'm more of a fan of, like, individual spaceships that have cool stuff going on. Like, uh, you know, Star Destroyers and stuff. No, you, don't, you don't try to label your spaceships, right? That would be cool. Don't assume my spaceship. No, you absolutely have to label a spaceship, because otherwise, how do you know what class it is? Don't put it in a box, Steven. You're not my spaceship dad. You can't tell me what to do. I am your spaceship dad. <laughs> I take it you guys were playing some BFG today? There was BFG done yesterday. <laughs> but we were at the bar next to Battlegrounds, and Steven, just out of nowhere... Okay, wasn't completely out of nowhere. There was some setup here, okay? We were having a couple drinks and this kind of stuff. And, you know, she knows that we do wargaming and that the bartender does. And then, yeah, we're pretty much regular there. Yeah. She sees us coming um, like, oh, these guys. And Stephen was like, but well, we do other games. Like, um, like, how do you feel about spaceships? Um, <laughs> that which, again, he's, he's using how do you feel about spaceships to segue into BFG, which is amazing segue material like that's king segue uh yeah we play other games how do you feel about spaceships uh and she's just like do you mean the concept of like space flight or any particular spaceships or what do you mean like i like space flight like star wars is all right yeah and uh we won't even go into the other segue that he tried to do but oh boy steven's king of segues uh Baby goats are great. Shut yeah. up. Yeah, just randomly we hear him ask her, Have you ever held a baby goat? It was. Okay, so, because she was talking about the Chiquita grocery store that she frequented as a child. Oh, yeah. Right, she the one said with Chiquita that, Banana. Yeah. Right, she said that they had a petting zoo. So my first thought of when I heard petting zoo was a memory of holding a baby goat. So I asked her, have you ever held a baby goat? As yep. in... Did the petting zoo that you went to have a baby goat? Did you get to hold a baby goat? Right. But rather than, you know, be like, oh, I love petting zoos. I once got to hold a baby goat at a petting zoo. Did you ever, have you ever held a baby goat? That was, that would be fun. He just immediately starts off with the middle of the conversation saying, have you ever held a baby goat? There are assumptions that were made. One thing leads to another, then suddenly uh, we're all banned from the bar. Good job, guys. Yeah, great. Great, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Look, I don't know if you've ever held a baby goat or not, but it's like holding a cloud. I actually have a buddy of mine got a baby goat as a pet, and uh, he introduced it to me by hiding it in a box, and then he was like, can you go into the garage and get the, you know, can of soda or whatever, blah, blah? I don't remember that detail. Anyways, I go out there, and the baby goat goes, meh, and then, like, jumps out, and I was like, shit. They're demonic-looking things, I'll tell you what. All right, so obviously your experience with baby goats is far more traumatic. Than oh, I was I was terrified of the baby goat. I once, uh, I was in a pen, in a very large pen with a bunch of baby goats, and they started chasing me when I was, like, eight years old. 
and I get clotheslined, well, clotheslined on the forehead by a string of barbed wire. Oh, that's, that's not that, good. That, uh, that is my earliest memories of baby goats. Right, so, uh, Stephen, not everybody has enjoyable memories of baby goats. I can't help that, that's not my problem. All right, let's get down to business. What are we talking about? We said, we're talking about, did we already cover the, um, the event? Is that all we want to talk about with uh, the muster? We didn't talk too much about it, we just kind of glanced over it. All right, uh, so we got the muster we're going on. We're doing yep. our special characters, uh, the 30K character series. Uh, and then what else is on the docket, guys? I have things. Okay, things. Things is on the docket, guys. I hope you're all ready for things. All right. I love nouns. Nouns are my favorite. Yeah. All right. So, I have things. Good. What are your things? Talk about knights, Aaron. How great they are. The concept of knight errands? To utilize them. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's good. We can also talk about the concept of them. I had a very good experience with mine yesterday. Work. Yeah, Rubio did work. Oh, you used Rubio? Yeah. He's a pretty damn good one, too. Well, really, we could just talk about Rubio and... and um, yeah. yeah. We'll have to we'll have to corral you, then. <laughs> Jared, so you don't go off the deep end and just spend 30 minutes talking about Rubio. Were you thinking of Knights Errants in the in the the context of of our last podcast when we talked about potentially using the rule set for Knight Errants for um, what are they uh, agents of the of the Emperor? I think we went went down that rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah, like agents of the Emperor and agents of the War Master. Yeah. using the Knight Errant as a template. Yeah. All right, so let's get into this headstrong then, right? Uh, what's everybody been up to this week? Like I said, we did, David and I did, oh, are we recording, I'm assuming? I hope so. We've got it going. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, David and I did a game yesterday, 1,500 points, 1,000 suns versus Shattered Legion, Iron Hands, and Raven Guard. I brought a Raven Guard Moritat, which was the first Moritat that I'd ever played, and he didn't die turn one. I had him hidden at a line of sight. And he used his jump pack to get within range, and him being Raven Guard. Oh shit! Actually, now that I think about it, I might have cheated. Because uh, I I don't know if they benefit from the Legion of Stardust rule. Who's that? The uh, Mortats. They should. They have Legion of Stardust because they're they do. You know. Okay. Because I infiltrated him, uh, and I just want to make sure I wasn't cheating David by by doing that. I gotta recheck my rules, but uh, so. Turn one, he, yeah, turn one, he jumps in the movement phase, uh, and I, I'm in range, and then my Mordathan do their, um, what is that special ability they have, the mark for death or something like that? Killing stroke or deadly. Killing uh, fatal strike, that's it, yeah. fatal strike. So they did fatal strike, and they killed a bunch of guys, and I was pretty happy with that. But I wasn't happy with the fact that I then shat, shat, I shat the more attack guys. I shot the Moritat out of range to where his Volkite Serpentos, being only 10 inches, couldn't hit anything. So then I had to run him back behind line of sight, so that sucked. 
meaning. But overall, Mortad did really cool. Yeah. Like, he, he actually killed three things before he was decapitated by a Praetor. So I was happy about that. Um, and yeah, man, David had that Osiris. Is that the same? Os- Osiren. Osiren. Yeah. And it just kept mind howling my Arl attacks. My Arl attacks couldn't hit it. Uh, and just slowly whittled away at the Arl attacks. The tactical squad killed him outright. It was an amazing game overall. Like, we could go into detail about the game, but I just want to say it was great. And I had a lot of fun. As did I. 1,500 points felt like. Yeah, and our rule of fully painted. If you want to play it, you got to paint it sort of thing. So we both have fully painted armies, and the table was set up in theme. It was on a desert planet with a bunch of desert rocks and shit. And uh, it was really, really fun. So, uh, well, as far as more attacks, they may not benefit from any blessing-type psychic powers or from leadership bonuses. Leadership rerolls or other beneficial beneficial special rules provided by other friendly models or army-wide effects which are a result of right of war. So you're good. Okay, cool. Very cool. Yeah. And our cats are just on their own. But I figured, you know, he's a single guy out in the open. He's going to get decimated fast, but... Oh, the um, Arcus did not do well, and it's not because it wasn't good at its job. I mean, turn one, it did kill things. It didn't do well because David decided he was going to nuke it with a Cyclonic Melt-A-Lance turn one, uh, so it just couldn't play in the game anymore after being liquefied, you know what I mean? Had to. It's one of my favorite weapons. Yeah. Had to. He dropped it yeah. right down, and then White then steps out and like, sup, bro? Boop, 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 boop. Repaid in kind when the lightning came in. Yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> For you. And yeah. <laughs> uh, that whole Xiphon thing, I was like, there's no way the Xiphon is new bait. Going back to our uh, new bait episode, and I, I was like, well, shit. Did I, might be right. Did actually. I prove it? Yeah, yeah. David is exactly right. I mean, it, the the lightning is agile, so I'm getting three plus jinx saves on the last cannons, and then it's got the chafe launcher, so I'm getting the four up invul against the missile system. Like, why did they have to give it missiles? I guess why not like special cannons, like the sick, like wing mounted sickering cannons. I guess something like rapid tracking. You know what I mean? Something to get around the chafe launcher. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, then it would fill the role of, like, uh, uh, a Xiphon Interceptor, where it would actually be able to intercept strike vehicles, but it can't, so. It was sad. Um, and then, David, I'll let you talk uh, about the BFG game you guys did, because I got to watch some BFG, and uh, it is really badass, and I'm totally on board, and I'm going to get into BFG now. Sweet. Yeah. No, it was, it was a great fucking heresy weekend uh, all around. So the 1,500-point game that Will and I played uh, then went right into two uh, BFG, BFH games. Uh, I played Robbie. Uh, Robbie came into the campaign system. Um, so we, uh, we brought him in. And when you come into a campaign, you kind of start with a pirate base or a, a hidden base somewhere. Uh, in one of the sectors, and that limits the um, size of the the battles you can play. So we played two raids, um, and uh, I'll uh, I'll wait till Robbie's on to to maybe talk talk it out with him. But safe to say that uh, 
six Nova escorts. So the Space Marines have access to an escort called a Nova. Um, and it has a lance battery and then two uh, gun batteries that are front, left, right. So when you play Battlefleet Gothic, your, um, your firing arcs are 45 degrees. So like 45 degrees front, 40, uh, 45 left, 45 right. But when you get front, left, right, you've just got like almost like a fucking yeah, 100, 180. Like, what is that? 180 degree cover or something, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, exactly, more or less. It's just, like, fucking 180. And the escorts are super maneuverable, so you can make a 90-degree turn at any point in their movement. So you've got, if you put six of them together, which is the maximum amount of escorts um, that you can field in a squadron, you've got a squadron that can put out uh, 12 basically 12 hard shells, so 12, like, mac think macro cannons or bombardment cannons, not bombardment cannons, but 12, basically, you know, shells coming at you out of the void, take down shields, and then follow it up with six lance shots. Utterly devastating. I reduced one of Robbie's, um, it wasn't a heavy cruiser, but it was at eight hull points, um, full shields. I reduced it to two hull points in, in one round of shooting. And uh, it was just it fucking devastating, man. Yeah, that's uh, insane because those are you said those are escorts, right? They are, they are. So the return, Robbie, uh, Robbie returned fire in the next round in his shooting round and d- destroyed three of them um, from one of his other capital ships. But I mean, at that point, it was it was worth the trade off because. Escorts in a campaign are just so much more replaceable than a capital ship where you're going to put refits. You're going to put, um, and this is getting into the campaign system a little bit, but you're going to put like crew skills. You're going to build it up. You're going to have leadership on it that's important. Escorts are like, I don't want to say they're throwaway because they're, they're still important resources, but they're way more throwaway than any capital ship uh, that you're going to have. So the fact that you can put six of them together and basically mass firepower like that, it's just super, it's super powerful. And uh, I don't think I'm the only one who's doing that now. I think, uh, Stephen, you played a game against Austin where uh, he may he may have brought the pain. Uh, yeah, I played a game with Austin uh, pretty much simultaneously with yours. And the time it took you to play two games, uh, I did one. And uh, that was, it was not good for Austin. I destroyed every ship that he brought uh, to the, to the uh, engagement, except for two cruisers. Everything else either exploded or was reduced to a drifting hull. That's crazy. Like, when you say destroyed, you're, you're, you're literally talking, like, taken off of the field. Yeah, he uh, he spent a lot of his campaign points on a squadron of Novas, just like you have, and I destroyed the entire squadron in one round of shooting. Uh, they they got too close to a murder and um, were in turn murdered. So did they even get to shoot? Yeah, they got off uh, one round of shooting onto the murder. I brace. Um, I didn't end up needing to because I only took one whole point of damage. Really? We're, we're- yes. Were his dice just off, or? Uh, yeah, they, they just didn't, 
It was the weapons batteries failed to do anything, so most of the lances were bounced off the shields. Ah, uh, fair. Yeah. Um, but what was what was cool is within the context of the campaign, this battle has ended up being the most famous battle of the campaign so far. Um, I gained twenty one renown off of it. What? Yeah, a lot. I now I think I have the most now because he lost two, and I gained twenty one. And I took his planet, I decimated his fleet. Uh, we actually have been... Whoops, dropped my mic. We, uh, there were two ships in this game. One was my carrier, and the other was his squadron of Dauntless cru- uh, cruisers. And we have been trying... Each of us has been trying to destroy the other one for probably about three or four games now. And they finally came to a head today. We ran each other to ground. The grudge was settled. Neither ships survived the battle. Uh, my Styx carrier exploded, and his Dauntlesses were picked off one by one by my battleship. But it was just super thematic, it was super bloody, and neither of us, uh, both of us refused to disengage at all. So you were attacking Austin, right? Correct. So you ended up winning. That is correct. And you took the planet. Also correct. Oh, boy. So we've now prevented Austin from trying to take the Ulanor capital planet. That is correct. Fucking well done, Steven. Dang, man. Well done. Yeah, it was bloody. Uh, we played 1150, and bear in mind we have 2,000-point fleets, give her uh, uh, probably within a 300-point variation for reinforcements requested at some point in the campaign. Um, and I destroyed... Almost eleven hundred points worth of worth of ships. That's badass, dude. Yeah, it did not go well for him. And also, I would say probably not typical of a campaign game because most of the time you're going to want to disengage before uh, you take those kind of losses. But I guess Austin just either got caught in a hard place or really didn't want to give up uh, the chance to make a run at Ulanor. I think uh, once he, both of us really, really, really were looking to settle grudges this game, so neither of us were really willing to uh, back off if it meant killing the other one. Like, we were perfectly willing to sacrifice other ships to kill these two that we were trying to get. Awesome. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly the way a campaign will go, man. Sometimes you just... You just gotta settle that grudge. You gotta, you know, you're at the point where, you know, you're all in, and uh, you know, you're gonna fucking hold Asia, or uh, or you're gonna fail. You know. Yeah, that's that's essentially what it was. But it was it was super thematic. It was a ton of fun. Awesome. Yeah, psyched to get people in. I know uh, Jesse's got a fleet uh, in the wings, and uh, Will's building a fleet. So I think the next campaign that we kick off, man, is gonna be. Uh, it's going to be fucking awesome. Maybe it'll be set in D43. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Fuck yeah. Um, all right, well, that was good. What else? Uh, we got uh, Jared and Jason. I know you guys did some uh, pretty badass heresy stuff yesterday. Uh, Jason and I had an amazing game yesterday. Um, I, we kind of set one up where I was going to bring... Uh, the castle and stronghold, and Jason was going to bring an army to just wreck the castle and stronghold. It was it was just a bloodbath. Um, 
base rolls. Um, Jason kept failing his artificer armor saves, got a couple of his squads and his uh, Iron Warriors chaplain, who had stuck with a uh, Ursarax cohort. Um, he got one hitted by a battle cannon. Um, we had Templars going up against. But I think the, the star of the, the game was uh, a Volkite Culvern squad that had stuck in the Castellum annex of a do or die moment for the battle he had touched squad of thalax and a a uh, magos reductor and they killed seven of them in one shooting phase wow um yeah it was an amazing game it was super swingy and really it just came down to people so it was 3750 points right 3750 points and no Lords of War. Am I correct? Technically, the castle counts as one, but just because... Well, yeah, but it was a theme assault sort of thing, so I, I mean, I guess you're right. But I think that was what is really impressive, is that to see all that shit on the table, you know, 3,700 points worth of heresy, and no, like, fuck D-weapons were being used or super heavies. It was all just, like, badass frontline murder going on. You know what I mean? That's, I think Jason would say the same thing. That's each of our play styles favors more um, heavy assault units rather than Lords of War and, and just relying on one kind of one kind of model to carry the. And Did he use his uh, radiations engines to ever like fuck up your bunkers? I imagine that that would have been a good tactic, right? Because of the uh, what is it? No escape rule, where the flamers do extra damage on bunkers. Uh, I think it was like turn one. Up his Macrocarid Explorator, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, and drove it right up to the area of the, the Castellum where I had the shields up, thankfully, and he it was just within range to touch. I had a 10 man Las Cannon support squad, a 10 man Volkai Colvin squad, and a uh, Master of Signal hunkering in that bunker. Uh, but thankfully, his shooting crossed over that shielded gate barrier, so I had a three up end wall. Um, oh. My butt. And yeah. also, really, we had hilariously bad dice roll. I, I reduced that explorator down to one hole point and hit it with three rounds of shooting with my squad las cannons and didn't roll a single six in three rounds of shooting with Tank Hunter. Damn. Jason, what was uh, your, your experience with it? Well... Alright, starting out, my goal for that game was to see how many uh, cyborgs I could actually fit in an order reductor list. A ton. Yeah, it's yeah, all fun. What was it? You said you didn't bring all but like one robot, right? Yeah, the only uh, Cortex creature I had was a Thanatar. Dang! It was pretty fun. Um, I Every time, ever since uh, I was working on the Williamsburg list... And I had that guy in there with my Ordinator Magos and a single Cyber Ocularis. And every single time I've used that little combo, it has paid incredible dividends. So I've been bringing them in pretty much every list I've put together. But uh, outside of that, I had a big unit of nine Thalax with uh, the Ferox upgrade and Heavy Chain Blades with my Magos, uh, who was pretty great, until they got uh, shot out from around him. 
went from a uh, nine Dalax in the Majos down to one Dalax in the Majos in uh, one round of shooting. Oh, dang. Yeah. Well, to be fair, that was two battle cannons and an entire squad of Volkite culverins sitting on an ammo dump. So, not bad, considering. Do the cul- are the culverins AP4 or are they still AP5? They're AP5, which is the only thing uh, that a whole bunch. But uh, then, too, I wanted to bring uh, every Ursarax I had, which is a uh, 15 built and uh, put together so far. And uh, I kind of wanted to try out this uh, theory of having an Iron Warrior Chaplain in there, since they're, uh, you know, sworn brothers with Mechanicum. So I gave my uh, little Iron Warrior Chaplain a jetpack and uh, stuck him in with the Ursarax. And it probably would have worked great if he didn't uh, catch a battle cannon straight in the face on, like, turn two. <laughs> oh, damn. And Jared can back me up on this. I failed uh, one lookout, sir, and I looked down at that one die that had a one on it. And I was like, you tiny son of a bitch, don't you dare roll the one again. Don't you do it. And I rolled it, and of course it was a one. So, for his artificer armor? Perfect. Yeah, Exactly. He was reduced to his component atoms. Well, I mean, try, try again, I guess, right? That's all we can do. But that game was uh, amazingly fun, and just like you said, I love the just ridiculous amount of stuff you can fit on the field when you don't have, like, six or 700 points caught up in a uh, giant, like, Lord of War tank or something. I know, right? Like, it, it makes, like, they're so cool to play with the big toys, but... If you're thinking practically, it's just not a good idea, I guess, right? You know, there's just other things that you can do with it. Spread your wealth out, I guess, right? Yeah, I always prefer the uh, mini uh, threats approach. It just seems like so many points stuck in one place that if it gets shaken by, like, a, uh, you know, something with a shock pulse, it's just so many points that aren't doing a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, So... How many Ursorax did you say you have? 15? Uh, yeah, I have 18, but I've still got three uh, to put together. All right, so that, that makes me ask a question then. Excluding troops. Yes. What unit does everybody have, like, a lot of that they really love? For me, it's becoming the Mordathan. I now have 30 Mordathan. Are you serious? Yeah. I have... 10 with combi plasma, 10 with combi flamers, and then the sniper uh, objective holder ones that I keep them back, right? Oh, damn, dude. I love, I love them. They look amazing. They play super well. That fatal strike is awesome. Um, All I can think of now is Hitchcock's The Birds in the background. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> so what are units that you guys have of that are like a lot of... Like, I know, I'm pretty sure, Jared, you're going to say Phalanx Warders. What do you have, like 40 of them by now? Or, like, 38. I got two more to build. Yeah. The 50 yeah. Terminators. I would have, yeah, I would have thought that Jared has more Terminators than... Only, like, 80 more. Terminators. It's not that bad. Uh, but but I kind of want to exclude, like, I, want, I mean, like, um, like specific units. Like, I know, um, how many fucking, like, everybody knows that Steven's got a lot of Dreadnoughts, Right. Like I have different times. I have nineteen dreadnoughts. Yeah, which is fucking bonkers. And then, like, how many units of Galvorbeck do you have? Like, three I or have, four. I have fifteen Galvorbeck models, so I can run. Yeah, okay. uh, I can run three squads of five. But I'm always just interested. Like, what do people have? 
like a lot like what's a unit they are in love with you know like I really think I am in love with more Dave they really like I, and I use them for like veteran models too like if I need a squad of like veterans I'll use the more Dathan models and just arm them with veterans. Or if I need Seekers, I will arm them as Seekers. You know what I mean? Just because they look so badass to me. Yeah. So what, what would your guys be then? I don't know. I have six Iron Circle, but I don't know you if I use them all the time. You take six Iron Circle in a single list? <laughs> I have, I've actually... You can. I have done it. Has. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's good. Time. But uh, if they don't die, uh, they'll be there for the rest of the game. You know? For the points you pay, they better. <laughs> but yeah, it's always just interesting to see, like, uh, I don't know, it was just something you were talking about when uh, Jason said 15 Arl attacks, or not Arl attacks, Jesus Christ, 15 Arl attacks. That would be God. insane. Now, so like, many jumping robots. Yeah, I know, right? But uh, I'm always just interested to see, like, what units people are, like, in love with and, you know, like somewhat of an obsession like how many how in love with you or how in love with them are you you know what I mean if you got Pat on so, here he would he would definitely say just staring like, just staring yeah or um, I think he's getting up there in uh, Reavers too oh yeah he does he loves the fucking oh, yeah. Reavers man yeah he's, he acquired uh, 20 of them from me this week mm-hmm. <laughs> wow dude yeah he's good he's got like that's a shit ton now he's got that's awesome I would have to did you um I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jared. I don't mean to interrupt. The Dark Fury Assault Squad, and 10 of them so far, they're definitely on my build more of list. They're just perfect. Not crazy about the Forge World models. I like building my own. Oh, really? You don't like the Forge World ones, huh? And they look kind of goofy to me. I don't know. It's uh, really weird poses they have. Like, they're definitely dynamically, like, jump running. You know what I mean? Could be a little, they could have been done a lot better, I think. But, uh, yeah. All right. So, um, who else do we have here? Steven, you already talked about your uh, Battlefleet Gothic, Jason, Jared, Evan, or Evan. God. Jesse. What did you do, my man? That, like, Evan isn't even close to Jesse. How'd I fuck that one up? Uh, uh, do we even have an Evan? Uh, his, your last name is Irvin. That's it. That's yeah. why. For all the no, people who are trying to steal, steal Jesse's, you know, information. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> if, you, if you look back through older filler episodes, you can find his mother's maiden name, his social security number, and the last four. Yeah, we've left. We've left. Like the eighth minute, seventh second, you can get the first letter. <laughs> and then if you go into the third episode, the fourth minute, and the second episode of the first second, you'll never find anything because this is all bullshit. But anyway, yeah, but um, we encourage you to look still. <laughs> I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> That's all that we can do. Eventually, we're going to have our own Snopes page. So, Yeah, right. Uh, but so, uh, did you get any yes. hobby done this week? Um, let's see. This week? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't However, mean to cut you off. It's fine. You did do um, Shadespire, right? I've been uh, messing around with a little bit of Shadespire. It's been kind of a... Just kind of a separate uh, step away for a little bit of, you know thousands and thousands of points of black armor dark angels yeah, yeah exactly um mess around the storm cast eternals from the original box set spray them gold and I tried a the crimson wash from GW over it and it has just this beautiful this beautiful color now highlighted up with uh a silver I can't remember which silver it is not the necron compound but 
something similar to that. Was and it the Stormhouse Silver? It might be the Stormhouse Stormhouse Silver, but turning out really fantastic. So that's pretty. Yeah, cool. I love them. And, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Getting close there. Just basing for the most part and a few other touch-ups, but pretty happy with it. It's now, have you actually gotten to play any Shadespire yet? I have played Shadespire. Uh, Carol and I, we've played a few times, and she's beat my ass most of those times, too. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Although I will say, the funny, the f- interesting thing with the game, the game plays real tight. Everything feels good. The majority of the whims have only been a matter of one victory point, one glory point. Yeah, that's what I've heard, is it's like very cutthroat competitive, and I think that's what GW was going for with that particular game, like it's best two out of three or something, isn't it? Um, yeah, and it's, so like when you kill somebody, or ever, after every round, you get glory points, and at the end of the game, like it was really close, like eight to nine, or, but other than that, it's really good gameplay, not saying that's not gameplay, but um, even when you tie in glory, if someone's on an objective, then they win. So it's, oh. and that's I think it was. I've had two games that ended that way too. So, Jesse, is it surprisingly cutthroat? Very uh, nails on edge. You never know who's going to win until the end. Is it a board game or is are you playing on a table? It is a board game. It has a boards that come with the starter set. It's a board game slash card game. I don't know if. You guys, it was a couple of years ago. Um, there was a game similar to this. Dungeons and Dragons came out with Wizards of the Coast. It was called Dungeon Command. I don't know if any of you guys played that before, but it really reminds me a lot of that, where it's miniature game and a card game had a baby, and this is what you got. Yeah, it's a really cool concept. I like it, um, and the fact that games are fast, and like you said, they are competitive. You can do, like, card combos and that kind of stuff, I guess. Um, and it, it, it's a great game also because it's a few miniatures. The price is reasonable. Like, I was looking at buying the, the skeleton ones yesterday. Um, I had them in hand, and I was walking up to the register, and then I looked over and I saw uh, uh, the Necromunda Orlocks, and I was like, oh, sorry, skeleton. <laughs> and I, I ended up picking up the Orlocks. But, um, I actually have the like, skeletons, and they are very beautiful. Yeah, they are really detailed, right? Yeah, um, but it's something like if you're just if you're more of a board game player, I think this is a, this is good for you, right? Because oh, it's like can easily segue you into a war gamer if you're just a board gamer, which is really really cool. So I think I think it's a good idea. Um, some people may be against the theme of it because it's Age of Sigmar and they just obligatory hate Age of Sigmar sort of stuff or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think it's a good game. Definitely. So before that, the week before, on the 17th and 18th, myself and Austin, we were running an event at the Williamsburg Muster, which is a historical wargaming event in Williamsburg, Virginia. And uh, the Invasion of Tanal, it was a narrative event. We had, let's see, we had 10 players show up for that game. And uh, it was a fantastic time. I know, uh, let's see, I think Jason and Dave, they came and they also played. They seemed to have a good time. Had uh, Ryan from Maryland come down to play. A few people from uh, Virginia Beach and Hampton Roads also came. And it was a really good time. Yeah, that was cool to see kind of the uh, the expanded community 
um, outside of sort of Richmond um, and the guys that we play just regularly, it was uh, it was really cool to see like Rich and the guys from Hampton come up. Um, yep, seeing a few fresh faces was always nice. Yeah. I mean, even some of the Maryland guys made it down, right? That's right. I know Ryan did. Yeah, and who that's was a pretty good uh, little resume builder there. Nice job for you guys. Jesse, who was the custodies player who had... Uh, John. John. Is, yeah. he, is he from Richmond? I don't think so. I think he's from Hampton Roads as well. I have to double check. Yeah, so, Will, I don't know if you know this, but this guy, John, right? So he, he comes down. He's got a beautifully painted custodies army. Jesse's got pictures up on the website and he comes up and he's like, dude, where'd you get that, uh, custodies tank? And, uh, I was like, uh, I mean, I think, you know, if you're asking me where you got, where I got it. And it's, so it turns out he got the other half of, uh, of Samson, Dave Samson, black label paintings, uh, custodies. So like, Oh, no way. Yeah. 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 So between Jesse, uh, wake, John and I, I think we we pretty much cleaned uh, Dave out of his uh, yeah. I got talents. his uh, I got his other Coronas too. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a solid list too. And John was a John was a super cool guy, super nice. He'd been to the Weekender the week before, which was like crazy. So yeah, oh, he'd actually been there, dude. Huh? He was there. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so we, we we sort of sat down, picked his brain a little bit, but, you know, like, I, I should have sat down and, like, fucking bought that guy, a, like, a scotch and just totally picked his brain because... We should have just recorded him. <laughs> we should have just yeah, recorded him. Yeah, interviewed him. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, so the event itself was three games, uh, 2,500 points each, Age of Darkness list, and uh, everybody who showed up, like we had five tables. We were planning on 12 people, but two had to drop out later that week, earlier in the week, so we went to five. Yeah, that's that's typical for events. That's not your first event you ran, so... No, actually, it is the first event I ran. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty... But uh, yeah, you always get people cancel on you either the day of or the week before, it seems. You sure. gotta plan that in. Sure. But um, I think the biggest effort was the terrain building. <laughs> We had about dude those tables look so good i cannot even begin to describe like i wanted to be there so bad but you know i had to celebrate the birth of my child three yeah, years yeah. you know whatever uh-huh. so stuff like that god well I, but it looks so good dude we've, we've got the terrain so we can always build them back up if we need to they're nice so, Lord. but uh yeah it was roughly just under two months notice <laughs> and originally because being the first event I ran I was like yeah we could probably have 24 people in my head it didn't really realize to me that we would have to have 12 tables full of terrain ready to go in less than two yeah, months that's a lot right yeah so luckily after that first panic attack only about a dozen people actually signed up so it was like oh phew thank god so it's like okay I'm shutting the registration down now before it gets too out of hand again yeah, smart. So, uh, um, couple of registration, so it was a good, solid group. Yeah, the bad part is that it was so successful that you know next year 
you're gonna need to probably open it up to 20 some people so I just hope you have the terrain ready by then I do plan if we do it next year it will be bigger but I'm gonna cut it off maybe at 16 people for the second one yeah with 8 tables instead just just slow grow or maybe do 2 days Jesse maybe have like a 2 day event a 2 day yes that's another thing we'll say for so Historicon was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And Which, for those of you who don't know what that is, that is historical wargaming. So Horus Heresy got invited because everybody knows that the people who run like the uh, the bolt action, a buddy of ours, is the guy who helped me set up forget like the Richmond thirty K group rolling, you know? Like I used his bolt action model of a community and I implemented it into the uh, 30k one so because you know we're close and he knows that 30k is the historical sci-fi game i guess it's like it's like a historicals game you know because you got rivet counters and all this other stuff and people who are just like so about the fluff and like making sure you're accurate to history you know it's all science fiction um but yeah so that was really cool that Horse Heresy was invited to Historicon, which is like Napoleonic era and Bolt Action and Flames of War and all that kind of stuff, you know? I mean, we were definitely in a room with people that were playing Warhammer Fantasy. I, I want to say probably like they were probably using the Ninth Age rule set, but it was the, it was the you know, the models from the old GW line. So it wasn't just like, uh, it wasn't just 15 millimeter, 28 millimeter Bolt Action type war games. Like, there, there were definitely um, historical, quote unquote, uh, war games that were that were being played there. So it was a very cool community, and I was super psyched that we were part of that community because I think, you know, at the end of the day, man, uh, I think we are a community that 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 survives whatever GW Prime decides, right? Whatever, whatever die that the you know whatever fate is cast, you know where heresy goes in the long run. Um, I think you know. I think we've got a we've got a group of people in a community in a setting that uh, I could just you know I could see us playing this as as the rules are right now. I could see us playing uh, for years and years and years. You know. Yeah, I mean, the proof is uh, the BFG. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am back. I'm uh, recording from a laptop today and not my normal desktop, and I forgot that you have to plug these things in. What, you have to plug laptops? <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. <laughs> very time. Okay, so hold on. Let's back up. What are laptops? Just die, Will. What are they? <laughs> just, just, just die. Are they like? Are they like big phones? They're like big computers, yeah. right? That you have to hold on your lap. You can't like you, hold them in your hand. You, you know what an iPad is, right? Yeah, it's like that, except it's a clamshell with keys on the bottom. Oh God, you have to use your hands? Yeah. Jesus, what kind of world are we living in? Savage one. This is the dark age of technology. Yeah, it is right. Um, But yeah, so we were just talking about the muster. Um, Yeah, where the hell hell was I? You were talking about getting terrain ready, and next year you're talking about eighteen people. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a tremendous effort from a bunch of the guys here in Richmond. Austin wrote up all the event scenarios, the fluff, and yeah, just this cool stuff. Uh, Jason and Dave 
me some terrain, helped build and paint, paint it all. Um, me and my girlfriend, Carol, just, Carol was just like a machine at a forge world, just tearing, just putting the MDF together like crazy. I'm in the garage with this airbrush or spray painting, just coating everything down. But uh, we managed to have five solid tables with awesome looking mats, terrain. Uh, the pictures are up on Richmond 30K right now, and I think I posted some on the Williamsburg Muster site as well. So if you guys ever want to check that out, Richmond 30K on Facebook. Very cool. Can we expect like a um, sort of write-up or something like that for the uh, webpage? Yeah, I think we can work something out for that. Yeah, no rush. Mm-hmm. If you if if you can, that'd be cool though. But uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much what we've been up to, right? Um, mm-hmm. You guys want to take a? What's up? You guys want to take a a quick break before we get into the uh, the forty three characters? Yeah, forty three characters. We're not after this break. (laughs) Right on. Yeah, we're not going to actually talk about forty three (laughs) characters. Yeah, forty three characters. All right, Uh, we've got thirty minutes left. Forty three characters. Get through. Let's go. go. Thirty seconds. Get it, guys. Go. Alright, guys, we are back. We're going to be talking about D43 and Richmond 30K character series. I think it was last podcast I put out that I wanted people to submit characters that are from the books but don't have rules. By from the books, I mean black library books, not your black lore books, because obviously those characters have rules, right? But I wanted people to submit characters that they really loved from the books, but for some reason, Forgeworld hasn't put out rules for these badass characters yet. So I want to start with Jared. Jared, who do you, who did you go with on this one? You put that out. I, I immediately knew I wanted to do Fafnir Ron. I thought he needed rules. I even had rules kind of thought up before you put this out, so I was extremely excited about this uh for those of you who don't know, Fafnir runs uh, head of the for the Imperial Fists. He's kind of Sigismund's buddy, but he's more uh, than Sigismund is. Um, the audiobook Templar, in case you're you're interested in checking that out. Is that the only time you see him, or is he in other ones? He's in uh, Praetorian of Dorne as well. Okay, cool. Fafnir Ron, um, I kind of wrote him as the ideal Stone Gauntlet commander. I think we actually put it in there. His, if he's on, if he's your warlord, you got to be using the stone gauntlet right of war. That's kind of the way he. Yep. It says here, Fafnir is an HQ choice for any loyalist Imperial Fist army using the stone gauntlet right of war. So it's cool because he's all he's designed for that, like you said, um, and it also like makes it where you have to run this particular type of army to use this guy, which I really like. Um, so yeah, I, I started off with kind of the basic Praetor stat line. Um, however, I did bump him up to T5 to kind of, uh... What? Right, because he doesn't have a boarding shield like a normal... Like, he's modeled with one, but he doesn't have it in his war gear. So to make him on the same level yeah. of all the other Stone Gauntlet guys, we made him T5. So he would, you know, still benefit from... Like, he'd still act as though he had the benefit of the Stone Gauntlet, even though... He'd have it all the time. 
um, you know, with the, the war gear, um, gave him uh, hardened artificer, void hardened artificer armor, um, iron halo, bolt pistol, digital lasers, uh, rad grenades, because, you know, he's a melee guy, he's going in, and that, that's one of the best melee pieces of war gear out there that's not an actual weapon. But does he have it in, like, any of the books does he ever mention having it? No, not off the top of my head. But it's one of the things with Stone Gauntlet, run something with red grenades, be it a forward lord or be it tech marines. Okay. Do, do Imperial Fists have access to rad grenades? I feel like rad grenades are one of those weapons that are sort of like, I don't know, man, would the, would the Imperial Fists, like, that's reaching down deep into the dark age of technology, right? That's like the fucking unification wars, like, we're breaking out, like, nuclear arsenals and you know, dumping radiation to the atmosphere. That that seems uh, maybe not beyond what the Imperial Fist would do, but I, I don't know. Do do they have access to that normally in their war gear? I mean, yeah. There's no. They're not like salamanders. Okay. Where they're restricted from using it. But okay. I don't know if it's something like if it's if it's mentioned in books and that kind of stuff. You know, we, we might have to review the rag grenades or whatever. Is all I'm saying. But everything else is looking super good. What's that one piece of special war gear you gave him? Twin axes. So that's kind of yeah. Is he carries two power axes into battle, um, and it's on. It, um, Forge Lord actually came up with it. I think the first place you actually see it is in the Bedab Wars armor books that came out with years and years ago. They had the Executioner's chapter, which had twin axes as their emblem, and then earlier that becomes one of the. Um, sort of emblems for the Imperial Fists, but it all comes from Fafnir Ron. That's his sort of a logo. Yeah, isn't that the um, the Breacher's icon is Twin Axes, isn't it? Head of the Breacher, that's his, that's his baby. Yeah. So what do the Twin Axes do? Uh, I'll just read it off how we wrote it here. Fafnir Ron wields two of the standard power axes, which are the mainstay of the Phalanx Order companies. In Ron's hands, these normally cumbersome weapons become a storm of death for his enemies. The Twin Axes count as two weapons with the sh- Shred, astrocrafted, and murderous strike special rules. So essentially, they're it's a dual paragon blade, uh, plus one strength. So it's uh, strength five, AP two, uh, and it's got the murderous strike, mastercrafted, and shred rule. And it's not unwieldy because they're supposed to be like par- paragon yeah. blades. Because that's just how good he is. Yeah. Um, so what's uh, some other rules we gave him then? Basic. Uh, Legion of Sestartes, he's Master of the Legion, obviously. Uh, stubborn. I didn't want to make him fearless because I think I was just, you know, I'm not sure, like, Sigismund men are one of these really, really, really top-headed Legion-type characters, but I think you should have it. Burn, I think, is ideal because he's both a defensive, you know, warrior and an, an offensive one. Um, is That's one of the traits that uh, anybody with a boarding shield has in Stone Gauntlet, Right of War. I wrote one here called Bloody Minded Brawler. Um, Ron is an uncomplicated warrior. He's at home in the press of melee combat, anchored by the unbreakable wall of his phalanx warders. Ron and any unit he joins have the rage and counterattack special rules. Um, very, very good for the uh, Breacher Army. They're so defensive that that counterattack really does help. But I mean, the phalanx warders are just as offensive. So the rage would really help too. I liked it. And where would you base this rule off of? Really, it's 
for you know a couple years of gauntlet that was one of the things i kind of noticed was wanted to really improve this actually make them stronger on the defense um the boarding shield they're not getting that plus one attack with uh with bolt pistols so that, that's really the you know steven can tell you he's taken down plenty of my uh squads just with massed um attacks from tactical marines so i think that was just how i noticed with stone gauntlet and would be a way to to uh, really improve it which is iran would certainly do it yeah and um it's pretty good. I mean, it, it, like you said, you're not going to get plus one attack for extra close combat weapons or gut boarding shields, and it's only on one unit. It's not every unit, and, it, you know, it's pretty well balanced. Um, what's that last special rule we gave him? His warlord trait. Uh, if Fafnir Ron is the army's warlord, then his side, gains, his side gains plus one to any random dice roll to determine which side gets the first turn. Infantry unit with the Imperial Fist rule gains move through cover while outside of their own deployment zone. So again, he's an assault commander. Um, you know, he wants to go out and get right in your face. He wants to go first, and he wants and to you base that off of um, Karn, right? Wasn't that it? Jason suggested looking at uh, at his warlord trait. I tweaked it a little bit. Um, roll like season initiative, something like that. Um, you know, the move through cover. Uh, prefer like the Death Guard and Salamanders uh, their default ones make me think of it because um, they I think they automatically get moved through cover if they take them right or something like gotcha. that yeah and it's pretty good because you're already being for I mean th- this guy is what it is he is going to play in this one style of list right he's going to play Stone Gauntlet you're going to get this Warlord trait he's definitely geared towards your play style exactly jerk which is what I really really like and um yeah, I think he's an awesome character. He's 200 points, yeah. so we may have to adjust that. You know, we, we took into account the fact that he was, like, Praetor level, and then we added up all his war gear, and then we looked at, you know, how much uh, these sorts of, like, warlord traits would typically be adjusted for. Um, but, yeah, I think I think he's really well balanced. We, we'll have to look at him more to see if he might be able to go down in points a, a little bit or maybe even up, you know. Um, <laughs> He's definitely like a melee boss. Uh, he brings all the Vulcan. So, yeah, I think he, I think he did great on this man. He's awesome. Thank you, thank you. Um, let's go ahead and move on to um, Steven. What do you have, Steven? Uh, I made one of my favorite Warbearer characters um, from actually one of my least favorite series of books, the Salamander trilogy. And uh, for those of you who have not read it, this uh, and a letter, this. Uh, Analysis will involve spoilers, so if you don't want to uh, hear them, now is the time to turn down your volume or turn off the podcast and unsubscribe. You have been warned. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so here we go. Uh, Narek is a word bearer sniper that appears in. Is it just Narek? How about how about we use his full proper Christian given name? Uh, Barthusa Narek. Yeah. He is a sniper that is uh, actually still secretly loyal to the Emperor. Um, and he, fight, he, he is of the Warbearer's Legion, and his main thing is, I'm going to kill Lorgar with a giant sword made of lightning. 
uh, he has the full right. But you'll have to read the books in order to get his, his full story. Um, but I based him off of a Vigilator console. Uh, his equipment is Bolt Pistol, uh, a standard close combat weapon, frag grenades, crack grenades, and a special sniper rifle that's just called Narix Rifle. Uh, it's a standard sniper rifle with... Does it not have any, um, like a name in any of the books or anything like that? No, he, he never has a, a weapon that has a specific name. He uses a standard okay. a standard sniper rifle for all intents and purposes. Um, but to reflect the fact that he's really good at being a sniper, his rifle has the instant death. So yeah, really and I mean, it really is a standard range. sniper rifle. It's only heavy one. Yep. Uh, you know, sniper, sniper and instant death. But the fact that his instant death is pretty solid, he's definitely going to be able to assassinate some uh, yeah. Praetors and that kind of stuff. But uh, what other rules have you given him? Uh, well, uh, I didn't really give him a whole lot of cool equipment. Most of his stuff does come from the rules. Uh, he has weapon skill 4, ballistic skill 5, toughness 4, strength 4, wounds 2, initiative 4, 2 attacks, leadership 9, and a 3-up save. Uh, he has infiltrate, scout, implacable advance, uh, Legion of Stardays, Ward Bearers. And then he has a couple of special rules that I've given him called the Huntsman, War Weary, Cadre of Killers, and Pistol or Blades. And most of this is drawn from the from his actions in the Salamanders trilogy. Um, so the first one is called the Huntsman. Uh, until Narek fires his first shot, he has the Shrouded Rule. Merrick's player may always elect where wounds are allocated. Additionally, at the beginning of the game, Merrick may select a single character in the enemy army. He has preferred enemy against that character and his unit. Should Merrick's target arrive from reserves, Merrick may likewise arise, arrive in the same method and be placed in the manner of his player's choice, pursuant to all relevant restrictions. He may make a single a shooting attack at this time, but he may not fire in the subsequent shooting phase if he does. Uh, so this is to reflect the fact that the entire trilogy, Narek is hunting somebody down. Uh, in the first Salamander's book, he's hunting the Shattered Legion's uh, warband, and in every book after that, he's hunting uh, other word bearers. So his second rule is called War Weary. Uh, Narek is missing one of his legs. He has a big giant on Medic where his leg used to be. He lost it on Isman fighting Iron Hands, I believe. Um, so Narek subtracts one inch from all run, charge, and sweeping advance rolls. Additionally, Narek may be selected by a loyalist force. If he is, he may not join friendly units, has preferred enemy traitors, and may not make use of his cadre of killers. Um, and this represents the fact that, like I said, um, Narek plays for both sides at some point. Uh, he starts off as a word-bearer hunting loyalists, and he ends the series uh, as a loyalist hunting traitors. So, he's good times. Um, okay. Good. His, his third rule is called uh, Cadre of Killers. And for 25 points each, uh, Narek may be accompanied by up to four word-bearers marines equipped with sniper rifles, bolt rifles, and frag and crack grenades. Um, these marines have infiltrate, scout, implacable advance, and preferred enemy Narek's target. These marines count as a single unit, but may be deployed and act independently. We're on pistols or blades. Yep, uh, and this is actually from one of my favorite parts of the heresy, uh, one of my favorite scenes in all the books. Uh, so in combat, as long as he is not pinned or falling back, 
that makes sense. You can't be in combat if you're pinned or falling back. Whatever. Have to fix that later. Uh, Narek always strikes first, regardless of all other modifiers. Additionally, once per combat in a challenge, Narek may substitute his attacks to make a single attack with his bolt pistol and the instant death rule. Um, so in the first Salamander's book, Deathfire? No, Vulcan lives. Vulcan lives. Um, Narek gets the drop on this Iron Hand sniper, and the Iron Hand sniper turns around, and for whatever reason, Narek doesn't just dome the guy right there. Uh, he introduces himself, and the two of them come to the conclusion that, yeah, we're going to have to have a duel to the death, because this is what we do now. So Narek asks him, pistols or blades? And the Iron Hand responds, blades. And uh, Narek agrees to this, and uh, he says, on three... What an honorable dude. Yeah. Damn. On three, we're going to draw, uh, and, and we'll go at each other, and the Iron Hand's like, sure. So he starts counting, and on two, he pulls out his pistol, and he shoots him in the head. What an unhonorable son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, because he knew that the Iron Hand was probably planning the exact same thing. So just right, yeah. without even giving him a chance to do it, he just blows his brains out of his helmet and is like, my job's done. And he continues on. I love that, dude. That's awesome. How many points is he? He is 175 points. I That's based pretty him, good. Uh, maybe a little much. Uh, what would you base him off of? I based him off of Exodus, uh, the Alpha Legion. Okay. Okay. But Exodus yeah. has a cooler rifle than Merrick does, so I, I probably overpriced him a little. But yeah, that's anyways, fine. We can we'll, we just play these games with these guys in the D four three events, and then uh, we'll balance them from there, man. Um, nice, very cool stuff. Um, Jesse, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. I'll go next. So with the unfortunate ruling that Dark Angels will not be in the next book. I decided to go ahead and make Corse Wayne, Seneschal of the Lion. Can anybody hear me? Yeah, you're yeah, good. I okay. got you. Okay, cool. So Corse Wayne, if anyone knows, is more or less the Lion's right-hand man when it comes to Legion duties and whatnot. Uh, during the events of Imperium Secundus, when the Lion took half the Legion to take it to Ultramar, he entrusted Corse Wayne with the other half of the Legion to keep waging war against Typhon the Night Lords and whatnot. Oh, okay. So, as it stands right now, of course, when he's probably going to need some tweaks, rules-wise. Right now, he stands as an HQ, but depending on what you guys think, he might have to be the Lord of War in some ways, because he's more or less just under a Primarch as far as leadership-wise. But we'll see what you guys think. So, of course, Wayne is basically... so. I designed Corse Wayne using the rough template of Sigmazin. Or Sigmazin? Sigmazin? Sigmund. Sigmund. Yeah. But that makes a lot of sense because he is. In many of the books. Sigmund to the lion. Yeah, in many of the books, it's they use him as an analogy to Corse Wayne. Like, he's like, there are very few other fighters like maybe Sigmazin. Sigmarisman. Okay, Sigmarisman. So um, I used him as a template. Uh, Sigmund. Oh, Jesus Christ. Corsway stands at weapon skill 7, ballistic skill 4, 
Strength 4, Toughness 4, 3 Wounds, Initiative 5, 4 Attacks, Leadership 10, and 2 Up Save with Artificer Armor. So fairly, uh, just slightly above Praetor stats when it comes to like, weapon skill. Uh, right, but that's fine, because he he's 20 more points than Jesse's Praetor guy, you know what I mean? And I mean, I think he's probably almost 50 points above like a standard Praetor, at least 40 points above a standard Praetor, you know? Yeah. So, uh, weapons he's equipped with, he has a Caliber Knight pistol with an 8-inch range, strength 4, AP 3, and I put it as pistol 2. I want... There's so many things that, like, bolt pistols can be boring. I wanted to shake it up a little bit, so I gave it a little bit of shorter range, but gave it two shots. Yeah, and it's based... It looks like, what, a weaker, lower strength of a architect pistol. You know, it's AP3, so that's good, but yeah. uh, still only strength four, so it's pretty balanced little pistol. I like it. Yeah, and um, his weapon, Blade of Core Swing. He doesn't really have a named blade, however, like... The Deathwing video game and stuff, they actually have Blade of Course Swing. So I was like, okay, we'll just call it that. Um, it's kind of a conglomeration of your typical, um, shoot, what's it called? A Paragon Blade and a Tyrannic Greatsword. So it's a melee sword, it's strength plus two, AP three, uh, or I'm sorry, strength plus two, AP two, mastercrafted, two handed with murderous strike. Yeah, I decided, I decided that's get, great. I yeah, love it. I decided to get Murderous Strike instead of an instant death like the Tyrannic Greatsword because I was like, eh, balance out just Yeah, while still being able to beef the uh, strength up and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Plus it's two-handed, you know, so that's yeah. also, so you're not going to get like a Power Fist and a Paragon Blade sort of deal, you know what I mean? Right. But you get five attacks on the charge with that bad boy, which would be pretty fun. Absolutely. Um, as far as that goes, he has Artificer Armor, an Iron Halo. He has Mantle of the Champion, which in the books, it should, talks about him having basically a Calvinite beast pelt on his back. Uh, I gave it, basically, it's basically an item that causes fear. Okay. Uh, let me pause you real quick sure. on the mantle. Um, what are you thinking of use for it? Like, uh, immediately as soon as you said that, I was thinking the the lion bit that's on the new custode model. Yeah, because that line bit is separate than from the custom model, you know. Is it really? Yeah, it's its own little piece. It's not molded onto the guy's cape. You can. Well, that's actually tempting then. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty badass. I think so too. That might be something to look into. Eats green stuffing stuff, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So he has a mantle that causes fear. The Calamite pistol is mentioned. Blade Core Swain. Uh, digital lasers and melta bombs, just your typical you know, standard stuff you'd put on a Praetor. Um, let's see. Special rules. Dark Angels lead GMS Astartes. I gave him Seneschal of the Lion, which is a rule I made up here. It mentions Corswing must be your warlord, and any armies attached is added to, provided the lion is not also selected, which I guess it's going to be a few years before we see that. In addition, all friendly lead GMS Astartes Dark Angel units may use Corswing's leadership and value why he's alive so he's going to be a force multiplier for the most part yeah that's a pretty good army booster you know yeah like you've got the lion's right hand man leading you into battle I figured it'd be fair enough yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, other rules other special dark angel rules I gave savage weapons which is kind of a nod to the title of that short story savage weapons which is pretty awesome if you ever 
if you've ever read it, it's pretty nice. Um, basically, it's either at the beginning or during the Thramis Crusade, Curse has a parlay with the lion, and so the lion sends Corswain and his then-master, Alaho, with him down to this rock-moon planet, and the Curse has Savitar, and I can't remember the other guy's name, and they, they're more, more or less just start shit-talking each other, but then it comes to blows... Corswain stabs the sword into the back of Kurz. You know, things just get nuts. Oh, it's, damn, it's, really? Okay. It's pretty awesome. But uh, anyway, so Savage Weapons, you add a plus one to sweeping advances to all sweeping advance rules for all friendly legions and Stardust units. That's pretty good, man. Um, what else? He's also got Hatred Night Lords, which yeah. seems very appropriate. Hatred Night Lords, because uh, his, uh, his master, Alaho, does end up getting killed in that. Oh, well, yes, that might make you hate, you know, people then. Yep. Um, his preferred enemy is monstrous creatures, because he's from Caliban, and they know how to treat, you know, how to deal with that stuff. So he's going to be great. That's awesome, dude. This guy, you put a lot of good work in this guy. I like it. Thank you. He is fearless, uh, eternal warrior, and, yeah, running at 220 points. So it's kind of a Yeah, uh, with those big... Um, army buffs. We might need to put him up a little bit more. I mean, adding plus one. So here's what I, I'm surprised. Well, I love this guy, right? I, I thought you would actually introduce a um, Dreadwing character. Yeah, I was thinking of a Red Loss. But, uh, I don't know, Corsway. And then, I mean, go all out with it. Like, if you do introduce Red Loss, oh, yeah, go all out with it and create a right of war for that dude too you know what I mean just something like completely out there you're like fine you don't want to fucking give me rules for another two years I'll make my own rules and it might be something in the future I just yeah if I like it man we're gonna, if we're gonna go along that route that'd be pretty awesome yeah um we got uh David your guys is still a work in progress is that correct yeah no I uh I'm not ready to talk about him but I did can you tease us like who who you're thinking about yeah, absolutely. Um, so there is a character in the Outcast Dead uh, who is an Adeptus Exemptus from the Thousand Sons, um, the 15th Legion, and his name is Athava or Athavra, and he is he's so he's like so pivotal pivotal to that storyline, um, and he's so unique in the whole. Thousand Suns, sort of, uh, I guess, in their in their Legion makeup. I really wanted to work on him and make him right. So I talked to Jason. Jason and I've been going back and forth on a couple of rules because, as a um, exemptus, uh, I guess adeptus exemptus, he doesn't really fit into any cult of the Thousand Suns. So he can pull from like a Pavoni, or he can pull from like an Athenaean, or he can pull from a Pyre. Um, but he literally has mastered almost all of the different disciplines. So this dude is like, I mean, he, he rescues Magnus in one of the stories. Like he fucking goes and brings like Magnus back on board one of the Thousand Sun ships. So he, he really is a very, very powerful character. He calls... I don't want to spoil Outcast Dead because I, I think everybody should read it. It's such a fucking powerful book, man. But, I mean, there's a part in Outcast Dead where one of the Primarchs shows up and he just looks at the Primarch and he just calls him by his first name. He's just like, hey, 
whatever Primark, you know, it's like this dude is, um, he's pretty powerful, uh, and he's pretty cool. So I wanted to get him right. Uh, and I think Jason and I are still kind of working out a few of the details, but, but we're, we're definitely yeah, getting yeah. there. Cause if you go right at it, you may end up making a Lord of War or something like that. Right. You know what I mean, you're right. Like, Ooh, this guy's way too fucking good. It, that's, what's really difficult is trying to balance how cool they are in the books because of course the books are going to make them great because you know they're the characters that you focus on in that but then translating that into tabletop you know they might not always be exactly as you imagine them in the books because well this is a game and they have to have like balance I guess you know yeah exactly they've got to have a flaw they've got to have yeah yeah yeah. well that's cool we look forward to hearing about them Uh, whenever you get them finished up we'll talk about them definitely so I did uh, probably my personal favorite character out of any book just because he's just he's a fucking monster uh, and that is Sagittarius from the uh, book Master Mankind he was oh, I didn't realize he didn't have rules no he does not he was one of the first custodians to die and he was the first one to be entombed into a dreadnought kind of a dubious claim yeah uh i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but he was uh he's an asshole in life he was very like the emperor always had to correct him and i've actually put that here in it so um unit type he's a vehicle walker character um and he's 325 points and we'll get into why he's so expensive in a second because i didn't want him to be a lord of war but that price shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, carries pattern assault cannon. So in the book, he's just got a regular old carries that, uh, I mean, after five years of fighting on the webway, he eventually runs dry at the final battle for the, um, the impossible city. But, uh, here, you know, he's got your standard carries pattern. Uh, then I gave him a Solarite dreadnought close combat weapon. Um, just to kind of make it a little bit different than a regular Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon, I put the word Solarite in front of it, but um, it's times 2 strength AP2, it's melee, shred, and armor bane. Nasty. Yeah. Uh, And then he's got a standard plasma blaster that is uh, strength 7 AP2, assault 2 gets hot. So let's hope he doesn't kill himself based off of gets hots, which, you know, might happen. Um... So, for his stat line, he has got weapon skill 6, ballistic skill 5, strength 8, front armor 14, and I'll explain why in a second, side armor 13, rear armor 11, initiative 5, attacks 4, and 4 hole points, and he's a vehicle walker. Sagittarius is an HQ choice for Talons of the Emperor. Um, I just figure, I mean, he was one of the first custodes, so he does lead the, uh, well, not lead. I guess he goes in with the, um, what are those guys called? The, uh, help me out here. Not the Council of Terra, the High Lords of Terra. When the High Lords of Terra go and assault the demon cohort, he goes with them. So maybe I'll make him an elite or something like that. Um, I'll still need to look into that. Uh, so as far as war gear, he's got extra armor, smoke launcher, searchlight, iron halo. 
in the Iron Halo as opposed to the refractor field just because he is a character and I wanted him not to die because in the books he fights for five years and does not ever die you know he's in the webway the entire time and even at the last battle uh, and there's other rules he's very defensive like he, he can do well in combat you know four attacks with shred and armor bane that's good but his big thing is the fact that he'll survive the entire encounter is what I was trying to go for because he survives the battle for the impossible city where he's in Arkan lands yeah. transport and he might be leaking fluid and everything like that but he's still functional and he makes it out of the webway you know spoiler alert I guess but we told you the spoiler alerts a long time ago so <laughs> if you're still listening and getting mad about spoilers then you shouldn't be listening uh, so what else special rules he's a contemptor so I gave him fleet He's got move through cover, counterattack, and those are all based off of the Custo Dreads. Uh, he's got Rampage, and it will not die. Again, trying to make him very survivable. Uh, Rampage, because of the fact, like, you know, he's only got the four attacks, but if he is outnumbered, he's going to be fighting on his own. If he's outnumbered, I'd like him to be a little bit more punchy, I guess. And there's also, again, that is a rule from the Custode uh, Dreadnought. Then we get into some special ones, which is Warrior of the Webway, Brutal Charge, Resilient, and Restrain Yourself. So, uh, Warrior of the Webway. Because he's a Warrior of the Webway, he's got Hatred, Demons, and World Eaters, which were what he was fighting in the Webway. So I figured that was very in line with what he should have. Uh, Brutal Charge, Sagittarius inflicts D3 Hammer of Wraths. Um, so that's pretty good, I think. Uh, resilient. This rule was taken directly off of um, the Honorable Telemachus. So it's already an existing rule. I just made it apply to Sagittarius. So whenever Sagittarius suffers a penetrating hit, their owning player may ask the opponent to re-roll those results rolled on the vehicle damage chart or the destroyer t- damage chart. However, the second result is standard or stands, even if it's worse than the first. So, again, that's basically the venerable rule, but it also makes you re-roll destroyer damage charts, which is, you know, helps them stay alive a little bit longer. Uh, Then we have Restrain Yourself, which is... Sagittarius has always had a temper, even before his entombment in his sarcophagus. Many times the Emperor would need to verbally counsel Sagittarius on his behavior. And that is directly taken from the Restrain Yourself Sagittarius is taken from Master Mankind when Sagittarius uh, clocks some dude in the face and like lock, like punches his eye socket out. And his eye's like dangling there and, you know, the Emperor's like, just calm down, dude. You don't need to do, like, we've already captured the guy. You don't need to punch him in the face also. But, uh, yeah, so I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, then we have... Uh, because of this rule, what it does is Sagittarius may forfeit his usual close combat attacks in order to inflict an automatic strength 8 AP4 hit on every model, friendly and foe, in base contact with him at initiative step 1. And that rule is taken from... What's the uh, Salamander Dreadnought that they have? Cassian Grunkers? Yeah! He's got one where it's like fire, right? Like that That's to represent his fire attacks that he does. Where he like spins around and shoots fire everywhere. So this is the same thing. This is so he doesn't get swamped by um, militia or demons. So 
strength AP four. That's why I made it you know weaker, so it'll kill mortals and that kind of stuff that can surround him like that. But it's not going to do much against space marines. And it's at initiative step one, so he could still get melt bombed, you know. But I thought it was pretty powerful, like all the stuff combined. So I made him three hundred twenty-five points, um, and I still think that might be too little. So looking for feedback, guys. If you hear this cast and you think that all this special stuff might have been too much, uh, let me know. It's whack, Will. It's all whack. It is right. Uh, I think Custodes are already strong, so I was like, how can I fucking make them even stronger? <laughs> Will Whackcaster strikes again. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I've had a model for this guy for a long time. I mean, as soon as I read the book, that's that's when I started Custodes. Like, not when they dropped and they had rules. It's like I read the book and I was like, these guys are fucking badasses. And even though... Master of Mankind has its flaws as far as writing goes with like Deus Ex Machina and the Emperor just comes in and saves everybody and all that shit like that's poor writing but it's still really badass to hear the story of that on the Yeah. yeah ADB I'm sorry that was I mean we'll never get into it now thanks right thanks that's my fault 15 years later hey man why don't you still talk to the Remembrancer's Retreat no they said I used Deus Ex Machina Master of Mankind I mean, really, it kind of was, right? Like, the Emperor did come in with, like, shining light and all the demons died. Yeah, but how then, else is the Emperor did, supposed to come He did in? need help, like, beating that final one. So, I mean, it, it kind of was. murder, oh no, now. Yeah. Oh. So, I, I don't know. I feel like there kind of was some Deus Ex Machina in there, but um, it was still good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. So much so that I started an army off of it. Well, we'll see if we can get ADB here next week. Yeah, and he can tell him a fucking idiot. You know, why, why did the Emperor, you know, need help after <coughs> so many millions of demons in one go? Well, it's probably because he blew up a couple million demons is why he needed help with the last one. Yeah, yeah, just that one got away, right? But, uh, yeah, I think uh, the characters have been a lot of fun. I know I had fun making mine. Uh, looking at the character in the book and then trying to translate that into an on the table it's not easy you know uh, character creation that was really fun yes it absolutely is i come from a DD background so i just remember hours just spinning tweaking little things here and there getting just exactly the kind of character i want yeah so it's been fun Uh uh-huh oh yeah but um (laughs) i think that's all we have this week then isn't it yeah, other than, other than plugs on the trivia answer. Yeah, so let's do that. Right, do we have a new question for the trivia after the answer? Uh, of course. Uh, All right. So let's real quick. Do your what plugs. What is my social security number? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh, move into plugs then. So, what do you got to plug, Jesse? Oh, geez. Well, uh, I'll plug the Williamsburg muster for being such a fun host for introducing us and asking us to join. It was a lot of fun. Also, um, the Patron Cantina down in uh, near the airport at Richmond International Airport. Yes. Uh, pretty Go there. fucking tasty. It is probably the best Mexican food I've ever had. Had some for dinner before I uh, came to the podcast tonight. And never disappoints. Very good. David, what do you got to plug? So I want to plug two things. Um, I want to plug uh, the Age of Darkness podcast 
because what those the guys fuck? plug in competitors. Yeah, now man, these guys are fucking awesome, right? Stand on the shoulders of uh, of giants and fucking JP and Miles and and Mark do an, an amazing job. And the last podcast they did, I want to say I'm gonna fuck it up, but it's just like episode seventy one, but it's not. Um, it's the one they cover the. Um, the Weekender event, right? So the one that just happened two weeks ago? Yeah, that was a really good one. Yeah, yeah. go fucking listen to that, guys. It'll change your world. Uh, I heard it, and then, fuck, man. Miles was talking about all the stuff. Miles is the English dude, right? Yes. Yeah. He's Little Legends. Yeah. He is Little Side Legends, note, yeah. Miles has the best, hands down, the best Patreon I've ever seen in my life. Like, that dude knows how to fucking use Patreon. He's not begging for money. He's offering you services that are extra on top of what he already gives people like he already does the Age of Darkness stuff right oh yeah and then yeah. if you go to his Patreon I mean y- you can do the painting black and other color stuff for free listen to that no problem but he goes like in depth and he writes these fucking amazing like PDFs and then can even if you donate enough get like one on one training from the dude yeah that is like the best use of a Patreon I've ever seen so very cool yeah Awesome crew, but I'm sorry, David. Just want to go <laughs> totally. on the tangent and tell you. God damn, you. Will, this is my plug. Um, no, it's all good, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, those guys are awesome. Definitely go listen because uh, there there are some pretty significant, um, I think, takeaways from the Weekender that, that those guys brought out. There's a, a, a guest they had on, uh, Darren. I think his handle is Pendrake on some of the Heresy forums, but. He and Miles were both in a forum um, on Age of Darkness where they got to sit with the, the lead writers from the Heresy and, and the, the takeaways from that, uh, I guess, that um, interview or, or session are, are pretty significant, really pretty inspiring. And I, I'm just in a whole other place with Heresy because of that. So check that out. And then, yeah, yeah for sure. And then uh, I just want to kind of second something that came out on a few of the different podcasts that I listen to, and that is Forge World is really looking for feedback. Um, so if you are into the heresy, if you think something is not right, if you have rules that you don't understand, if there are characters you want to see, man, fucking anything, if you just want to tell them you guys are doing a fucking awesome job, uh, they absolutely will read all of the feedback you send them. Um, and that email is forgeworld at gwplc.com. Um, they may not get back to you. Uh, they may, but I have it under good authority that those emails that you send into customer service at, at Forge World um, do get read. They do get passed on. And uh, it's very important from uh, a community standpoint that we continue to give the small crew at Forge World, the, the rules writers and, and the design team at Forge World, we continue to give them feedback because that's the only way that they're going to know things are working or things aren't working. So um, that's just me me giving a shout out to Forge World saying you guys are doing a fucking awesome job listening to us. And then also as a community, uh, give them some feedback, guys. If things are good, write in. If things are bad or you want to see change, write in. But uh, that's my plug. Cheers. Very cool. Um, I heard that episode, and I 
immediately started looking at Dark Angel's list because they were like talking about all the shit Dark Angel's gonna do. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, Destroyer of Hopes and that kind of stuff. And I was, or not, sorry, not Dark Angel's. The good ones. The Blood Angel's, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So he was talking about Blood Angel's wow. and he was talking about uh, I just, Destroyer of Hopes. right into that shit. Yeah, you did. Like Level A. Oh my god. That's, that's rude, Will. Yeah, but I immediately, you know, I've always had, like, little heartstrings for Blood Angels. I like them. They look cool. So, listen to that section, I, like, pulled out my list for the builder, and I was like, all right, let's look at Blood Angels, man. Salt cans for days. Yeah. Um, Jared, what do you got to plug, my man? Not a damn thing. All right, support okay. stuff and damn things, guys. Good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. The place next to Battlegrounds Billiards has a... Dope ass hamburger called the sweet spicy. Hell burger. yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love man, that. I gotta try that thing. Like four of you are telling me it's good, so I guess I'll try. Dave and I eat there probably every single time that we go to get a game, and we'll, we'll stop at Billiards first. Nice, Stephen. What do you got to plug them? Uh, Dremels. Dremels for days. Just the uh, concept of Dremel tools. <laughs> well, in specific, the company Dremel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, the company Dremel. Um, All right. There's a lot of stuff stuck to that Dremel. Oof, I need the vacuum. Um, I recently was struggling with a metal model. Uh, it had killed no less than three plastic pins I was trying to use to mount it. It was a BFG battleship. And uh, I, I went out. I was so frustrated that I was like, screw it. I'm going out right now. I'm going to go buy a Dremel. I went down the street. I bought one. And... In 15 seconds, that Dremel had fixed probably three hours worth of collective hot fixing. So was this the same, like, did you go to the same gas station you got the headphones from for this Dremel tool? <laughs> no, I, so, I where the fuck is this gas station that sells Dremels and headphones? I went, I went to Lowe's, so I guess I'm going oh, to oh, Lowe's, gotcha. too. All right, Lowe's, people. Shop yeah. at Lowe's. But the, the Dremel 3000 is a good, like, little handheld Dremel. It's got a, a couple dozen little bits that you can use to, uh, to, yeah. to engrave into look it. into um so useful yeah look into like all their different bits for like they have cutting ones which I use to cut like the big ass um shit what are those called on like your resin pieces right the like gates? your spark yeah like the big ass gates like on a spartan assault tank I mean the Dremel just cuts right through the yeah uh, so I love my Dremel dude it's like the number one tool for hobby in my opinion especially yeah, with resin I have to agree I have to agree it's, it's metal I was building some uh, some night wrappers too and uh, the glue just wasn't drying on them so I was like yeah screw it I bought this Dremel I'm gonna use it uh, so I 15 seconds drilled out holes put in pins bam everything please 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 yeah. use respirators yeah, I mean it's resin we're talking about, or tiny shards of metal. So and actually, I, I'm may I do a PSA real quick? Yeah, if you want to plug respirators, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I've been in this hobby for a few years now, and there are plenty of times where I used super glue in non well ventilated areas. I now have a distinct allergic reaction to super glue, and it's no joke. <laughs> it sucks every time I want to build some Forge World stuff and. I don't wear a, res- a respirator. Um, the next day, I wake up with just complete sinus pain, stuff. Oh wow! Yeah. It's miserable. So please, if you guys ever do use super glue or anything with like fumes and whatnot, make sure you do it in a well ventilated area. Don't be like me. Don't be an idiot. Get some fans. Get some ventilation. At the very least, if you can't get a respirator, make sure that it is the 
what's it called? What's the rating for it? It's the... Oh, I just went through an ocean training thing on yeah. this. You, you would think I would know it. <laughs> it's, um, hang on. It's the... I'm going to... I'm going to kick myself as soon as you say what you know what I'm, You know what I'm thinking too, right? It's not, like, not natural... It's a rating, some sort of rating. Yeah, oh, anyway, make sure it's rated for toxic fumes, guys. And I'll be sure to find that out next time. Organic vapor, that's what it is. Make sure it's rated for organic vapor. Because if not, then you're just wearing a dust mask, and that's not going to help against all that stuff that's in superglue. So yeah, that's that's my little PSA, guys. Very good. Thank you very much. Um, for me, you can find me at uh, Lancaster Painting, both on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, richmond30k.com. You can email us at rva30k at gmail.com if you want to have content put up on the website or if you want to submit a character even, get in touch with me. Um, another plug I've got is uh, D43 Summer Campaign. We're going back to 2014, 2015 sort of style. It'll be a slow grow escalation. 500 points for two weeks, 1,000 points for two weeks, and we'll continue all that way up until 3,000 points. By the end, everybody should have a 3,000 point painted army, and we'll have a big old mega battle with awards and everything like that to finish it out. So you can participate on that campaign if you are not in Richmond. You'll just need to submit your photos of your actions and your armies and everything like that. Um, We'll have more on that that you can find out on the Richmond 30K website. Or not website. Uh, the Richmond 30K Facebook group and the Richmond 30K website. But that's going to be a lot of fun. I think people are going to really enjoy it. So, yeah, that's it. Good stuff. Sweet. All right, everybody. Well, Thanks for such a great episode. Uh, I got the trivia thing still. Here we go. Oh, yeah, go ahead. All right, so uh, the answer to last week's trivia question, which was, executed for the crime of stealing water, what Terran noble had her son taken by the 10,000? Um, the answer to this can be found in Master of Mankind. Do any of y'all know who it is? I know the story, but I do not know the name of the individual. It's it, it's Ra's mom, isn't it? Yes. It is. It is Ra's mother. But I don't know her name. Well, you're the, you're the, you're the custodian man here. I will hold this for you to answer, Stephen. Alrighty, so the answer to this one is Koja Zhu. In the opening chapter of the book uh, is the emperor, no, not the emperor, it's uh, Constantine coming to execute her and take her baby. She didn't just steal water, dude. She drained the last ocean. I believe that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, that is stealing water. Technically stealing water. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for that, she she caught a custodian spear to the bits. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a mesocordia. I don't see Constantine using that big old fucking blade to kill a woman. Have seen his model? This guy is super fancy. (laughs) You're right. He would have done it with flair. It would be like a Sailor Moon type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. There was light. There was sound. Was fun. So, Alrighty. so that was a good one. What do we have this week? So this one actually has a couple of different answers. This is one of my favorite trivia questions. Um, Bjorn the Fellhanded is one of four dreadnoughts in the 41st millennium containing a survivor of the heresy. 
name one of the other three. And this, um, this has a couple of different sources where you can find the answer. Primarily, it can be found in the Night Lord's Omnibus. Okay, say that again, Stephen. The Beyond whole... the Fell Handed is one of four dreadnoughts in the 41st millennium to contain a survivor of the Horus Heresy. Name one of the other three. Dude, that's, that's profound, man. So there are four survivors of the Horus Heresy that are still entombed in dreadnoughts in the 41st millennia. Yep. Uh, I, will, I will give at least this hint. Um, of them, three are loyalists and one is a traitor. That's awesome. Ooh, interesting. That's awesome. You gotta be demented after that long at a dreadnought, right? Like, well, normally, uh, chaos dreadnoughts or dreadnoughts still in the service of the traitor legions are not held in stasis like loyalist ones are. So, whereas loyalist ones get to sleep and when they wake up, they're kind of groggy and even, you know, even after proper rites, they're not necessarily all together. Uh, traitor dreadnoughts are just batshit insane because they've been sitting inside of a dark box for 10,000 years. In the case of the traitor dreadnought in question, he is actually kept in stasis. So he's... he's Very interesting. Hopefully we're not giving up too much, but uh, we'd love to hear you guys' answers. So submit those to the Remembrance Retreat Facebook page. Stephen, did we have anybody win last week? Or last two Uh, weeks? No, nobody... um, Nobody submitted an answer to have their attaboys converted into uh, high fives or whatever it was that I submitted. Guys, you're missing ones. out, man. We're gonna have to step up the uh, step up the uh, the ante here. Obviously, I'm going to uh, to have to offer something other than just attaboys in my undying gratitude. So, let's try to keep it legal, though. Whoever <laughs> whoever answers, whoever submits a question, or whoever submits the the correct answer to this one. I will pay for your entry into the next D43 event. Whoa. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's very nice of you, Steve. I like it. I am it. a font of, uh, of generosity. I'm a river to my people. All right. Well, that's uh, this week's episode. I think we ran a little bit longer than normal, but that's okay. We had a lot of good stuff to talk about. So uh, we, did, we barely scratched a muster. <laughs> I know, right? Like, that, we, we talked about about a lot, lot of just... Loyalists did win, and people were very good yep so yeah um alright well I think that's everything then right so alright okay thanks bye adios Later.